Um, let's dig into today. What is your name? What is your name? Now, I grew up being called many names. Many names. And they weren't always good. Uh, I called many others names. And uh, uh, names actually begin to matter. In the next two weeks, uh, we're going to talk about the power of names and why it's important. So game-changing name changers. There you go. That's a tongue twister. Um, But it's a good one because we're going to dig into some biblical names, how they've changed, and why is it even important. This is stuff that, uh, you know, you don't pick up a book on Bible names. Okay, I'll read that tonight. You know, it's not exciting. It doesn't at least, it's not to me. Um, Give me something else. But if we're trying to dig in to how much the Father God loves us, if we can, if we're hungry to understand all that he's done to make us who we are in Christ, then let's look at some of the backstory of what's happened with certain characters in the Bible because they affect us. We can learn from their mistakes and their tendencies and we see God's grace in their stories and gives us hope in our stories. And we need that. So let's dig into the first name. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot to tell you about this one. This is a town off the, in, in Wales. That is literally the name of it. That is 60 freaking letters. 60 letters. I feel so sorry for the postman. That is just wrong. They actually do. I don't know. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a link that uh, says, if you want to hear what this sounds like, you click the link. It was, it was like, what? But that's like the craziest name, and it's a real place. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, that's it. Names do matter. Um, if I were to say um, uh, the champ, whose name is associated with the champ? Ali. Ali, Muhammad Ali. Very good. The great one. Oh my goodness, you guys do know. How about the king? <laughs> I wasn't sure about you guys get that one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm right. Sorry. <laughs> Who else has a name like that? What are some other key big names of uh, you just know their new name based on what they did? Anybody else comes to mind? And what's he, what's his, the boss. Yes. Anyone else? Who? The babe? Yes. There we go. So obviously there are names associated with a happening, an instance. And there are name changers. We, um, you know, we... Uh, I grew up with loser and no good and, and all kinds of names like that, that I began to believe about myself. And those things affect us. Names matter. Next week, we're going to get into the, to the nitty-gritty of all that stuff. But today, I want to show you this. A lot of names were changed in the Bible. And in those days, names changed often. Um, and usually, if there's a pattern that I saw, it's this. Doubt and difficulty were part of the picture of biblical name changes. There's usually pain associated with a name change. And, of course, hope was given. The practice was not limited to Jews. Royalty from Assyria to Judah to ancient Egypt to China often took different public names when they took the throne. It is tradition for a new pope to take the name of a former pope whom he wishes to emulate. This was ever since Mercurius was named Pope and thought it bad, uh, f- um, bad form for a Catholic Pope to have the name of a Roman god. Probably a good idea not to do that. Uh, English royalty occasionally go by their middle names. Names change. 
Names affect things. So the first significant name we're going to look at is a guy named Abraham. His name changed from Abram to Abraham. And this is a significant story. We're going to talk about him and his wife in just a moment. Um, In Genesis 17, it says this. When Abram was 99, okay, I'm highlighting his age. Like, is that old? Almost done? Should have been done? What? Like, that, that's, okay, you get the picture. He's very old at this stage, and he knows it, all right? Um, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. And we're going to talk about God's names in another message. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. He's 99 and has no kids. This is going to be interesting. All right. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Who's going to do this? Who's going to make it possible for Abram to be a father of many nations? It says, I, God said this. Uh, uh, I will make you. There it is, hidden way over there. I will make you. This is key. Not self-help. Do you remember Abram screwed up? And he tried to help God out by sleeping with a handmaiden? Because, uh, hey, I... I, obviously, uh, my wife is just barren. She ain't getting younger, and she's way past childbearing years, so how else is this going to work? I have got to help God out. Bad move. He became a father of another nation through Ishmael. The, which, which group of people? The Arabs, that's right. So, Abram wasn't the father of anyone directly at this point. God changed his name as a sign of his promise that he would be the father of many nations. So Abram to Abraham, high father to father of many. He was going to become. This was a name. And by the way, Abram, once his name was changed, he was never referred to as Abram again. He was always referred to as Abraham. Let's go to his wife, because she had a name changed too. Sarai is named Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, my princess, mother of nations. Okay, this is, this is a woman who's barren. <laughs> okay? Then God said to Abraham, Abraham, because cha- his name's changed, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her. There it is, tucked at the end again. I gotta change the font. Uh, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. 
And then Abraham bowed to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. Well, <laughs> uh, you would too. You're laughing now, and you even know the backstory. You even know what's going to happen. It's still funny. He's, what, what would any normal human be thinking, right? She's way past that. He laughed, but do you know what it cost him? I'll tell you in a second. <laughs> Don't laugh at God or he can hurt. Um, you'll laugh in a minute. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. Wait a minute. Who else laughed? Hello? Who else? Who else? Sarah did. Absolutely. She laughed too. So she gets all the bad rap for laughing. But Abram, Abraham, he laughed too. Like they both had the same mindset, okay? Uh, how could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? Do you know any 90-year-olds that have had a baby? No. Okay. Despite Sarah's doubts, God intended her to be the mother of many nations as well. Okay? So there's some parallels here. There's stuff going on. Let's take a look at this next slide. Because this part, uh, this was given to me by a woman named Judy Bergman. Uh, She mentioned it uh, the other day when we were talking. It happened to be talking about Abraham. And uh, this, this part was very cool. It's like this cool nugget that you never heard before or never caught and never saw. I love grace nuggets of truth. I like it when you go, what? That's incredible. I never saw that. It's been staring at me my whole life. Watch this. A Jewish scholar suggested this. God is giving Abraham an H from his own divine name. Abram, Abraham. The H was put in. God gave Abram part of his own name. Who else do we know that that's happened to? Us. He's made us one with him. We are in union with Jesus Christ. The greatest kept secret in the northern hemisphere. Whenever you see the Lord's name in capitals in your Bible, it's actually in the Hebrew, it's called the Tetragrammaton. The four-letter divine name of God. The Hebrew name for God transliterated into four letters. Remembers this? W or Y-H-W-H or J-H-V-H. And it means Yahweh or Jehovah. Listen to this. Both Sarah and Abram get an H. They get new identities. God gives it to them. You have been given a new identity. Every one of us have been made new in Christ. It happened at the cross. You're a new creation. Created in Christ. You're brand new. Your old life is gone. This is a powerful truth. And to see it in the Old Testament like this, that's pretty cool. Anybody else think it's kind of cool? Am I the only one? Okay, one person. Wonderful. Let's move on. Another person had his name changed was Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. So in Genesis 32, it says this. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named 
the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God's face, yet my life has been spared. His name is changed. Now, the funny thing about Jacob, his name switches. Some refer to him as Jacob one time, then Israel another time. It jumps back and forth. Jacob rose to his position by manipulating his brother into giving him his firstborn birthright and then tricking his father Isaac into giving him the firstborn blessings. God wanted to make it clear that it was he, God, who gave Israel power and position, not from his own conniving ways. We do this in the church all the time. If you're well steeped in religion, then you're really good at helping God out. I was talking with uh, Maggie or Carol this morning about that. I forget who it was. But the idea of trying to help God out, manipulating your way through, working the social game, getting into positions of power, and thinking it's a good thing when you do it on your own. God doesn't need your help. He does not need my help. I get, if one of my temptations as a pastor and it has been for a long time, is that my job, especially from the church world and from meeting with other pastors and groups, the pressure is on to grow the church. And what methods are you using to grow the church? What kind of bait are you using to wheel people in to grow the church? Because if your church isn't growing, you're not a very good pastor, and therefore you should quit. That's, that's the... That's the bubble of Christian religion. That's what Christian leadership in the religious world looks like. It's all about manipulation, coercion, push, press, wow, woo. And once they're in, you got them. And then you control them and you put more legalistic stuff on them. Tell them what to do, control them. I have so many people that I've met that are so done with what they call the institutional church. That hurts. Because, one, I don't want to be the institutional church. We are a formal church. But I don't want to be anything like the rules and regulation churches that strong-arm people, control them, make them give out of manipulation, not from the heart. We're under grace now. We give and do all the things we do because we're compelled by the love of God. And some people are still trying to figure out what the love of God is. Jacob was a conniver, a weasel. And God changed his name from weasel to, I'm doing it through you. What's your name? What name do you live by? What name is running in the back of your head that you think is yours? I hope by the time we're done next week, you're going to know your name, your, your real name. Yes, your word name is good. Our Canadian culture is terrible at, at having deep meaning for names. There are other cultures around the world that totally get the power of a name better than we do, by a long shot. Jacob. Next, Simon. Here's a New Testament one. Simon is named Peter. Simon versus Peter. God has heard, and now he's called the rock. So in John 1.42, Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking in, I like this, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, it's like, hmm, you are going to be 
Cephas, Peter. Hmm. What do you see in people? When you look at them, do you look intently? Do you, do you look past the shell? Do you look past the behaviors or the distractions? Are you able to see into the heart of a person? Only the Holy Spirit really can. But there's more going on. And Jesus looked at Simon and said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. And then in Matthew 16, 18, he says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. So he rocks, right? Anyway, and upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell cannot. The word there's Hades. The powers of Hades will not conquer it. Then if that's true, this is Jesus speaking, right? Do we agree that, that that's Jesus' words? Is he the son of God? He knows truth because he is the truth, right? Do his promises ever fail? No. So Jesus really did say this. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Then what the heck's the problem here? Why are we pretending the church is all defeated? Well, they, they may look like they're building their little mini kingdoms, but it's not the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of programming. Is there value to it? Yes! But it's not the kingdom of God. See, Jesus is the kingdom of God that has come. Do you remember the prophecy in the book of Daniel? Daniel interprets a dream and that rock comes and hits that statue and the statue's the feet splash apart and the whole thing comes crashing down and then the rock grows and fills the whole earth. That's Jesus. His kingdom has come. He wins. The powers of Hades cannot stop the good news. And I think what is happening is the good news has been shaded, repainted or Somebody did doodle art on the good news and tried to make it more exciting or because they didn't understand it, tried to make it understandable and therefore corrupted it. When really the good news is far simpler. It's the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the good news. We can't mix it up. Peter. (laughs) On his own, Peter was not a rock. He ran hot and cold depending on the circumstances. With the Holy Spirit, however, Peter became the stabilizing influence for the new church. One of Peter's characteristics was he was a hothead. He got into trouble. He jumped the gun. I don't know anybody like that. (laughs) He got in so much trouble, misunderstood. Lopped off the ear of a guard trying to defend his Jesus and still ran away. This is Peter, Saint Peter. (laughs) He was given a new name because Jesus saw him for what he was going to become. Interesting. And since each of us are in Christ... He knows what you are going to become. So he wants to speak 
to the real you. Affirm who you really are. That you're loved, accepted, forgiven, pure, and he likes you. That one's hard to believe sometimes. This is the voice he wants to speak into your head. He wants to change the radio channel of the wrong name that's being thought through in the back of your head. Of all the voices of everybody popping their voices at you. We'll get into that next week. Peter, hothead. Naomi. I like this one. Naomi is named Mara. First, it meant pleasant and beautiful, but Mara means bitter. This is a ticked off woman. This is a really depressed, beat up woman who has no hope. All right? Ruth 1, verse 19. So the two of them continued on their journey, whether they came, and when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is this really Naomi? Beautiful one? The pleasant one? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life bitter for me. See, she just blamed God. The Almighty has made my life bitter. It's God's fault. Do we know anybody else that's going through pain? What the hell, God? What are you doing? Do you ever get there? Do you ever get the, what is going on? This is not fair. I thought you said you were good. But my circumstances are not pleasant right now. This is what she's going through. Now, here's something you got to get. Well, I'll wait till I get to it in a minute, but... I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? A misunderstanding of the heart of God. People, we don't get the proper picture of God the Father until Jesus comes. They all got it wrong. They all got an incomplete picture of the Father God. And she, her perception was, he's mad, he did this to me, he's angry. That was her perception. That's how she, and she lived her life based on that perception and changed her name. But here's something very interesting. After her husband's sons died, she tried to change her name to reflect her hard circumstances. Neither history nor her daughter-in-law, Ruth, indulged her. <laughs> And before long, God again blessed her with a family. Ruth was able to see something that Mara couldn't. We all know Mara in our lives. We have individuals who feel like they are Mara temporarily. It's not who they are, it's how they feel. But we have got to learn. We don't live by our feelings. Our circumstances do not determine the heart of God. His word does. And the capital word, word, W, word, Jesus himself, the word, he determines who you are, what your identity is. Saul is named Paul. I'm going to back up because you didn't get a chance to read that yet. Quick question, just for fun, because 
I'll put my hand up of how I answered the question. How many think God changed Saul's name to Paul? I did. He didn't. Let me show you. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. The only other reference is in Galatians. He talks about what's happened to him. Something that God changed Saul's name to Paul after his conversion. But this isn't true. Paul is Greek for the Jewish Saul. Look at that. Ding, 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 ding. We're wrong. Since Paul was a Roman citizen and witness to the Greek-speaking world, it was reasonable for him to take a more familiar form of his own name. To blend in, to, to deal with the culture. I thought there was a name change. That, hey, I'm going to now call you Paul. But that didn't happen. I thought, oh, man. Galatians 1, 15-16a. I love this text. Listen carefully. But when God, this is Paul talking, but when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son, what's that word? In me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Listen carefully. This is the apostle Paul who gave his life to kill Christians. He was so religious, so legalistic, he knew the law in and out better than most. He was a very zealous man. He held the coats for those who were stoning Stephen. (laughs) This is the man who was killing Christians, and yet he says, God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb. From his mother's womb, he was set apart, and yet he's doing this crap. What, what's with that? Can, you, are you putting it together? What, doesn't it raise some good questions? It should. And if nothing else, it should give you hope. If you see someone not walking in a way that represents Christ in them, have hope. It's not over. The story is not done yet. God's grace fills every single piece of pain along the journey you are walking. Who's in charge of the revelation of your understanding or their understanding of getting it? Stop leaving tracks in their lunch pails and stop, you know, putting little Jesus pictures all over the place and trying to convince them, using those as manipulation tools, using Christian-y phrases, hoping they'll get it. Stop it. You sound corny. You turn them off. Jesus knows how to draw anyone to himself. It is up to him, not us. We get to participate in it. We get to be the ones who love them unconditionally. When I mean unconditionally, I mean not in order that they may change their minds and believe. Do you see the difference? Are you okay with just loving your kid or loving your neighbor for the sake of agape? Just loving them because Christ told you to love them? Or is the ulterior motive that they could believe? The hope's there. That's great. I have the hope. But don't let it be a manipulation tool or you become a network marketer. Everything you say and do becomes ulterior motive. Do you understand? And he says, God revealed his son in me. Revealed what was already there and revealed the glory of Christ in Paul. 
And that blew him away. That's why he said in Colossians, this is the secret. Christ in me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, we're not finishing today. We're done. Gulp. Sorry, I'm looking at the clock and no way. <laughs> oh man, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good God and you have named us. And the cheat answer for next week and this week is you've named us with the name of Jesus in us. We bear the name of Jesus in us. We are one with him. So this morning, for those who may be discouraged with their walk with you or discouraged with their life circumstances, please encourage them, even with the stories we covered today, to see there is hope. There are others who have walked through difficult journeys and you have been there, not abandoned them, but encouraged them and you were the source of all blessing in their lives. Even when it looked bleak and absolutely impossible. Thank you, Father, for being good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.